fighting for truth, justice, and the American way. Without the cape, we're the superpowers, not even a sidekick. Heck, we don't even have fancy gadgets. This is just Joe and his trusty microphone, made in the USA. This is the regular Joe Show. Oh, so good. Hello and welcome to one. Welcome to all. Joe Giganti, your regular Joe with you, and this, your VIP backstage soundcheck podcast exclusive to the awesome, the most wonderful, the most wonderful of listeners, you, the merry band of regulars. Content that we can't necessarily get to on the live show where we can expound on it, go in depth, talk to newsmakers around the country, those that are fighting the good fight. Now, that fight takes on a a myriad of faces. Not all things are political. Not all things should be political. Art is one thing that should never be political. Uh, it should just be art. And again, art is something that is meant to make your heart, your mind, your soul to ascend. Well, we're going to talk to somebody that knows that all too well and does it quite beautifully. It has a very special piece of art that is going to be unveiled in just a few months. I want you to know about it so you can go out, check it out. More importantly, you'll have the opportunity to see it live in person in our nation's capital later this year. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't remind you, ladies and gentlemen, that, of course, to make this show ground and round and round, we have many wonderful people that help to help keep us on the air, including our friends at MyPillow.com. You can check out the greatest, the latest, and all the best deals right now. Go to MyPillow.com forward slash Regular Joe, and there's a whole page dedicated to you, the merry band of regulars, some of the greatest deals you will see, including the new MyPillow 2.0 at all-time lows, the Giza Dream Sheets, the towel sets, you name it. They've got something for everyone, as you know. The entire regular Joe family partakes, including our dog, Kara, who loves her MyPillow dog. But really, we, we went through a couple different ones, and she never she was very finicky, almost like a cat. But uh, she never liked any of them until the one we got from MyPillow, which is one, that way she stays out of my bed, which makes me quite happy. But check it out, MyPillow.com forward slash regular Joe. Of course, to get the discounts, you have to use promo code regular Joe, all one word, and you can unlock the savings. And in doing it, you support a great American company that in turn supports free speech and traditional American values. It's, a uh, you know, Elton John sang about it, the circle of life. It's quite beautiful. Check it out, regular, mypillow.com forward slash regular Joe. Now, as I mentioned a moment ago, we have a very special guest. And I was, we get to talk a lot about politics, a lot about the situations that are challenging us as a people and as a culture. I don't get the opportunity to talk as much as I would like to those that are working in the world of the culture itself and making it a better place. And today, though, I get to do just that with master sculptor Saban Howard. He is known as Michael, uh, America's Michelangelo, which I think is awesome, very very evocative. I hope you know immediately uh, the kind of person you're dealing with when you say that. But he is just an amazingly talented man. I got to speak to him on the broadcast show a little bit today, which was quite a treat. We want to bring him back for the VIP Soundcheck podcast as we knew you'd want to know more about him and the great work that he does uh, and is doing with a particular piece, a sculpture known as the so- A Soldier's Journey, which will be the centerpiece of the new National World War I Memorial in Washington, D.C. I welcome you back, Saban. Appreciate you giving us more of your busy time to talk about the work you do, this amazing sculpture that you have put together, and more importantly, again, how this all impacts our culture. Welcome back to the regular Joe Show. Thank you very much. I'm so excited to share this with your public. Well, it, again, you. you know, I will tell you that we have a number of people that are very, very dedicated to supporting our veterans and the great sacrifices they have made uh, throughout the years. And, and we, you know, again, we go back to the founding, certainly World War One. Uh, for me, I grew up in Washington, D.C., so that's and that's my home territory. I escaped. I like to say I escaped Mordor, and I, I, I got to the real world living in the Midwest uh, since 2007. But, you know, my family's back there. 
I went to a military school, uh, St. John's College High School in Washington. Uh, kind of the, now, the name's interesting because people always go, well, "Why do you say college?" Because it was actually a college first, then they added the high school, and they were a very rare school in that they were a full-time military school. Uh, but also, they were Catholic, so it was a very interesting mix. We had active duty drill sergeants, and I'm mentioning all of this because something else that we had that was very unique to St. John's, to any other military school in the country, is in our uniform, which we wore the, the Army-issued olive drab green uniforms. Uh, we wear, or they still do, but when I was there a long time ago, we wore an honor cord that was awarded to us because in World War One. Our senior class literally left and went and served in World War One. You mentioned when we talked on the broadcast, you, know, you get a lot of 17 and 18 year olds. Well, in, in the case of St. John's, almost every single member of the senior class left to serve in World War One. And as a result, we were awarded a very special honor cord that only we have. We're the only school that has that particular honor cord and they wear it to this day because of that service. So, you know, just another connection to the to the story of American history that I think is so important and that you tell beautifully in this sculpture. Yeah, this is a, 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 a miracle, like I said earlier this morning. It's uh, We're bringing back a Renaissance-type art uh, 150 yards from the White House, and it's like this return to something sacred that plays forward the tradition of, you know, Greco-Roman Renaissance art and and speaks about we the people by honoring uh, historically the veterans of World War I. But yet at the same time, you know, if you go to this place once it's unveiled, it's a whole park with a 60-foot-long bronze wall that as you walk along it, it's from the left to the right, it tells a story, and that story is like it's a movie that unfolds in bronze. And you don't you don't see these days anymore like art that is a, a, a visual narrative. It, there, there's no story going on these days. And now you got like something that can reach so many people. And I I'm I'm gonna say I want this to be the cornerstone. It's a turning point for making art go from you know this this ridiculosity of, you know, like a Duchamp's The Urinal, which is like a toilet, that, a urinal that was said to be art back in 1920 out of France. I'm saying enough is enough because that's what's been going on. And we're taking it back to something that elevates us. And I'm so excited because it's like people don't care about art these days because most of it's garbage. And so now it's time to like show them what art can be and that's supposed to do something to elevate everybody's human spirit. So this is for people that don't even go to museums, that don't even like care about like art. This will change the story. And, and I, I'm really, that's my commitment to this sculpture. Well, it's, and it's amazing. I mean, I've seen the photos. Obviously, people can go to SabinHoward.com. That's your website. It's S A B. I N Howard traditional spelling H O W A R D dot com. They can see there's a great little video right on your front page where you you dig into some of the work you've done, including this. You speak to something that I think is and I mentioned in the intro. I think is so fundamental. You know, there's a story percolating right now that at the University of Houston. I don't know if you've seen this, but they have this this disgusting 18 foot statue. It's a satanic statue and. Uh, and it's been oh, yeah. it, it's been yeah. put on there, uh, but again the art the, the defense is well it's art you know and and uh, the National Railroad Museum uh, here in the United States had some controversy at Christmas time every year they do uh, uh, something I forget what it's called the, the Forest of Trees or something the idea is that different organizations and groups decorate beautiful Christmas trees to surround all the the railroad uh, you know the, the different trains they have there well this year again they had a satanic Christmas tree, if there can even be such a thing as a satanic tree. But again, the defense is, well, it's art. It's all art. It's art. And and I think that, you know, you speak to something in that video we talked earlier, and I want to just, I think it's so important to, to, to come back to it. You know, you, you said in the video that there, that we can define art, that there's, there's some basic rubrics that help to define what artwork is, what true art is. 
and, and what I love about it, you know, the, for you, there's the old saying, if you don't, you know, it's enough, it's not enough to curse the darkness. You have to light a candle. You have to, you know, be the light. And in so many ways, that's what you're doing with your work. But if you could talk about that work, but also the, that concept of, of how we can, we really can objectively define what art really is and should be. Yes, that's a really good question. It's like, I, I think, uh, this is not like politically correct to say these days, but it's, there's a, a connection between humanity and human beings uh, and the real world and art. They, they are interconnected. And my values um, for what, you know, human beings should be, to, you know, to you've given, you're given this, this gift of life and you have X amount of energy to use that energy correctly for positive purposes. And, and, and we are not islands as human beings. We are part of something larger. So when I was 19, I, I, didn't, I couldn't draw anything. I, didn't, I was zero. I started zero. And I was fascinated by Michelangelo's work, Leonardo's work, Raphael's work. I came into this like, thing at 19 where I was like, I had to make something of my life. Uh, my parents were both PhDs, and I was like, I felt I was like frittering away. Yeah, no, no I'm pressure, like, no pressure there whatsoever. You're, they're both both yeah. parents are PhDs. What are you doing, son? Uh, well, yeah, exactly. I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So then I I, I start on this path, and it's, uh, that's my that's my dharma. That's what I'm supposed to do with my life. But I went to what I knew because I got I got raised in Italy by the visual splendor of Italy, and so that's what I thought art was, and, and so then. It's fascinating. That type of art looks at the universe as a unified whole, made up of all these parts. And all the parts fit together cohesively. It's a divine order. And this is a secular idea of God. It's not like a religious or biblical sense. Sure. It's like everything is operating in the universe together. It is not chaos. It is not alienated. Nothing is, is, not, is an island. And it, it is the, the complete opposite of modernism, which takes away the concept of an elevated human being that, that belongs to something larger than itself. And that's the definition of sacred, that you belong to something bigger than yourself. So here, I get this project. Now, this is fantastic. You know, I couldn't have planned this out better. It's, what do soldiers do? They, they give of themselves the utmost. So if you go into, into the military, you are now... I don't know if people know this, but you are now a, a government property. You mm-hmm. are a soldier, a government property of your country. And if you enter into battle, you will return and you will have lost a part of your psyche. And hopefully you will not have lost a part of your body like a limb. But this is the most noble thing that anyone can do in terms of sacrificing oneself for one's country. So you belong to something bigger than yourself. That belief system in the military is sacred. So now I'm making an art that speaks about my subject matter, the Renaissance, and the way that, you know, everything is fit together to make a unified thing. Is, it's perfect. And so here you, we're, we're turning the corner, like I said, and I'm saying no to the nonsense that is completely regulated by, you know, universities and schools. Uh, the, the, the media, uh, the critics, uh, the museums, uh, the collectors that have put money into investments in art. And I'm saying, hey, guys, wake up. And I'm, this is a call to arms to change the status quo. You know, the stuff that I learned in art school back in the 80s had great teachers. You can't get that information anymore. This is something that it, I, it's like I'm carrying the torch forward. And this sculpture is it's it's not for the elite. This sculpture is for the people of this country and for the veterans and the military and the eighth, the eighth graders that come to the, to D.C. To, to learn about the history of our country. It's, it's, it's not about Saban Howard and his ego. This is about me being in service of a way greater message. And, and that's, that's why I'm here on this podcast, to share this with you guys. Well, and, and it is so important. Now, you, you said, and I thought this is interesting, I, I should... I should have mentioned this, and I, I want to make sure I, I mention it here, that this this undertaking 
to to create this, which you use life models. Matter of fact, I saw on one of the photos uh, on your page, you're talking, you know, you actually have, you had people, many of them veterans, uh, but wearing actual World War One uniforms yeah. so as to capture yeah. I think I spied a picture of you in one of those uniforms if I'm not mistaken yeah I was I was showing uh, one of the guys the pose uh, it's you know it's like I, I got 80,000 80,000 hours of working from life models and that was uh, it now is that, is that just on this project or was that overall no, you've done that that's overall so if you do 2,000 hours times 42 years because it, it's uh, it's like a practice. It's uh, it's like sports where you practice, and it's 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 a marathon. It is not a sprint. The, you know there is no freaking inspiration for artists. That's nonsense. The inspiration <laughs> comes at eight o'clock when you show up at the door of your studio and you got to work. And and so this this is like there's no flash in the pan in making this art. It's hard work. It, it requires great amounts of education. And it requires also a humility because with sculpture, you get exactly where, where you are as an artist. It's not like a fantasy of what it could be. It's a three-dimensional object that if, if it looks screwy, it is screwy. So <laughs> this is about excellence. And, 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 and that form of that human body is about that whole concept that you get when you think about, okay, I got a life here. I got a choice. Either I could be this or I could be that. Make the right choice. That's what I'm saying with this sculpture. You know, and, and that, that continues into our country as well. Make the right choice. Well, you know, that's interesting because one of the, we do on Fridays on the show, I do something I call Freedom Fridays. And, yeah. you know, the idea is just to take take a minute and be thankful. You know, there, we have so many gifts in, in the United States now. And again, you've lived abroad. So you, you can speak to this probably from a different angle than even I can of just the importance of recognizing the United States is not the standard. I should say it is a standard, but it's not what you find in every other country. The freedoms we have here, the liberty we have here is like none other. And one of my, so one of the first quotes when I decided to add the Freedom Friday quotes to the, to the celebrations on Fridays is something that I heard you basically say a moment ago, uh, and you may have heard this quote, I don't know, but freedom consists not in doing what we like, but in having yeah. the right to do what we ought. And I think that's yeah. such a powerful, and that was, of course, uh, it, was, it, was, it was actually uh, St. John Paul II is, who said that, and he was a, a, a very big crusader for freedom and liberty, having grown up under the oppression that he did in, in Poland and so forth. And it just, I heard that many, many years ago as a very young man, and it stuck with me since because there is this misunderstanding that freedom, people, they somehow equate freedom and chaos as being the same thing, yeah. that freedom is just do whatever you want and there's no repercussions. Well, that's, that's just not reality. No, that's a great point you're making. And taking it back to the art world, it's like when you go into these like galleries or museums and you can't even tell if that's a piece of art or not, well, then that's, like, that's exactly what you're talking about. The, the, the so-called quotation marks artist is making something that is like, uh, he's deciding that he's God, and his ego's deciding that he's the creator, whereas I'm saying, no, the, the God or the divine is the creator. That's nature. This is what the Greeks did. They looked at nature to create their art. That was their inspiration. That was their source. And then that imbued their work through the experience of looking and translating the real world into the art world. And then all of a sudden you got something that if that person is highly educated and skilled, you've got something that's going to blow the socks off anybody. And, and here, I, I love this because I've had studios in crappy neighborhoods like the South Bronx and East Harlem in New York. And every time I moved a piece to, you know, onto a truck and these people would be like, whoa, that's incredible. That's a piece of art. Or they walk in the studio and see the memorial. They're blown away because they recognize it right away. It's not this like, oh, that's art because I said so. That's what I'm objecting. It's no, enough of that. And this is like art is symptomatic of the culture. So 
who, who are you to make these statements because you feel that way? And, and I, I spoke about this before in the, in, the talk, in the radio show, the live thing this morning. I was saying that my art is informed by scientific, empirical knowledge of looking at a model, translating the anatomy of it, figuring out the gesture, deducing the, the gesture. It's not about how do I feel about it. My feelings don't freaking matter. It's my experience. I have to bring something super rich to the project that's going to be, you know, excite others. It's universal. I can't do it in any other way, but through my own brain. So I got to I gotta think about it and not be selfish. So you can't be cryptic. You can't be, like, mysterious. You got to do something that speaks to others and gets them to get excited. And, and, and so I had to get better when I got this project. I, I was like, what do they call in the military? OJT, on-the-job training. That's what happened <laughs> yes. on this project. Baptism, by, it, baptism by fire is another phrase for it. That's right. Nine years, and that's... That's how long it's been to get here. My goodness, and wow. I went through, it's just, I went through D.C. and I went through multiple agency meetings. And I, I will tell you this, that I will never do it again because it, it is the most uh, poisonous place that I've ever been in my whole life. And like you said, D.C. is it, it's a whole other game. I'm here to make art. And, and I, it's a, again, it's a miracle that I got this thing through. Well, there's it's three. because I was so freaking stubborn. Well, there's three things I have to just quickly. First of all, on the government side, when I was in Washington, I did a lot, you know, I had my own production firm and consulting firm, and I worked in the private sector, but somewhere along the way, someone convinced me that I should dip my toe in government contracting. Uh, and like you, I tried it, and I'm like, I am never, this, this isn't worth it. It's just so much, oh, yeah. it's just nothing, nothing but frustration. And then you said something I had to laugh, because you said, no one, you know, my freaking feelings don't matter. So I was raised by an Irish mother, 100% Irish mother, an Italian father. And my, we always joke, my, my mother was tough. She was, you know, we always said, we, my seven brothers and I were only afraid of one woman in this world. And it was, it was our five foot one mother. Uh, but she used to say to she'd sit there and say, and one of her things was, no one, you know, in, in, the, in the, the cruel world, no one cares about your feelings. You've got to be tough. You've got to focus on what gets done. And it's, and it's so funny because now I have kids and I say this to them. And, you know, they, they, they're not used to that in this generation. They're like, well, they, what do you mean? That hurts my feelings. I said, go back to what I just said. No one, it's a, I said, of course I care about you. I'm telling you, but the world isn't, you know, mom and dad aren't always there to pick you up. But I, I think it's just, it's so, I, I love that this is all interwoven into how you create art because I think that's so important yeah. to understand because it should be reflective of human life. And for those, uh, listen, we're talking to Sabin Howard. You can learn more at sabinhoward.com, S A B I N. Nine years in the making, this beautiful, amazing, it's called a Soldier's Journey. It'll be the centerpiece of the National World War One Memorial, which will be unveiled September 13th of this year, 2024, uh, which is General Pershing's birthday, and it's being unveiled in Pershing Park, Park rather, which is just as you said, what 130 yards uh, from the White House. Kelsey Grammer, one of the memorial spokesmen, as is General Mike Flynn. Uh, so some really big heavy hitters, and I've been looking at the photos and some video of this. 60 foot long, 10 foot high, just amazing, uh, larger than life. I mean, it's 38 larger than life human figures, five scenes uh, modeled after yeah. with real life, you know, humans in the place. One of the, again, one of the things I think is amazing, and it, it speaks to that art, and that's the other part I want to just really kind of hone in on that you said a few moments ago, that, and this is frankly, it's been kind of, the, the, the other side of this has been, a, you know, a kind of a key joke throughout the years in like sitcoms or movies which is where people go to like a modern art museum and they're like oh that's that's amazing art and then you know the employee goes oh that that's the vacuum the art's over here so you know something like that where they because it's so confusing you said you know but yet when people see your work and, and that not just yours but really, when you see real art you, there's almost a gasp, right? You're like, wow, you know, it yeah. strikes you because again, it's speaking to your heart. And what's amazing as I look at the photos of your work is, and I always marvel, you can see this in, you know, like two dimensional drawings, which I saw some of those uh, on your website. I mean, you really have an amazing talent. Uh, but in, in, in looking at the, you know, these sculptures, nothing is actually moving. But when I look at it, 
I feel like I'm in the middle of an action scene. You know, I feel like, yeah. you know, whether there's some, there, you know, one of the guys is yelling and the other guy's leaning forward with his gun and the other guy's kind of reeling back a little and just, it, 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 again, I see it and I feel like I'm walking into a scene. And I think that's amazing as, as an artist to be able to create sculptures that have that sense of motion and action and, and, and which of course creates an emotion in the sense that you, you know, you suddenly are in the midst of this, you start feeling it. Yeah. That's uh, thank you for saying that. I want to just step back one more and, and continue what, what you said about like uh, when you go to the museums, I, I want to, if you go to a, a sports game and, and you pay money to, to sit at the, at the court at a basketball game, do you, do you go to, to watch somebody miss the the, the free throw or hit the the backboard with the ball? No, you you go to sports for excellence, for for to, to see people like Michael Jordan do things that are you know godlike, to 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 do something that is like a, a miracle. So why should art be filled with people hitting the backboard with that basketball all the time? And then, and then it, and then some critic comes in and says, "Oh well, this is what the artist meant." For crying out loud, we read most of our information, eighty percent of our information, through our eyes, visual, and so this is called visual art. So this is a scam that has been perpetuated on the public since the 1920s, and it's it's eliminated. Anything that speaks about beauty, about truth, about excellence, and elevation of human spirit. And so then it's like, I got into this like 40 years ago, and it's like, I, I got this project, and I knew that I had to like figure out some things to make those sculptures really interesting. And what I was doing before, I was doing like this Greco-Roman art, which frankly is like super esoteric, and most people would be bored, you know, it's like, oh, that's beautiful, but they wouldn't get excited. So I had to like completely change my way of working and I had to make things that are like dynamic and visceral and, you know, will bring tears to your eyes. And, 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 and like, you know, a little kid who's like 11 or 12 or 13 will look at it and kind of stare at it and be mesmerized. And so it's like I, I had to use everything I possibly could. So I got people like running, actually running. In is a soldier in the battle scene that's on a full tilt run charge, and then, and then the guy screaming in front of him, and his eyeballs are bulging out, his mouth is spread open. It's like you can you can see the spittle on his lips. And then you got like the next scene. It's like a Pietà scene. It's complete silence, and it's six feet away. So how the hell do you do something like this, right. where you have like? All the rainbow of feelings and emotions that we carry as human beings and put it in 60 feet and make it cohesive. And I, I want to answer that. It goes back to what we said before. It stems from the fact that this is one unified sculpture, and I'm using the ways that I was taught to do a single figure using my knowledge of anatomy and design and proportion and movement all together. There, there, there's a system to this. And then there's the creative element that that's what makes me an artist. I use my hands and my head and specifically my heart. But my heart is what leads. But if I hadn't learned how to make my art technically in a very proficient way, it would all crumble. And so that's what I'm saying. It's like this is what's been taken out of our education system, especially in the art, art world. You cannot learn how to draw from a figure in an art school anymore. Everything's computer. Everything's digital. And, and everybody's tooting the horn of AI. Forget it, guys. You can't do what a human being does. Our brain is just too freaking powerful. And we have too many senses that we can perform our task with that a computer cannot do because it's all code. That's my two cents on that one. Well, look, I'm fully with you. And I mean, you know, computers, AI, they, they have... They can serve certain purposes, but you can never right. supplant the human spirit. And, and, and it, you speak of the sacred. And, and look, what no matter what your belief is, right? We're, we're not forcing a religion on anyone or anything else. As you said, right. there's, a, there's a secular concept of the sacred, which is that there's a greater being. However you look at it, man is different. Uh, we stand different from any other animal on this earth. We have a higher level of intelligence. You know, some would argue in the religious community, 
it's something I believe that ultimately what separates us is we have a soul. Well, computers and AI, they can't, you can't duplicate that. You can't account for that certain spark right. that is the human spirit that is within. And, and again, it comes through, like you said, in the artwork. I've seen some some AI artwork. People have sent me like, wow, look at the, you know, yeah. this is such amazing. But yet there's a plastic nature to it when I look at it. It doesn't, you know, yeah. I, I want, you know, it, and I don't want to say imperfection, but, you know, you see certain drawings, like line drawings, those kind of things. And you understand that that was a pencil put to paper by a human hand in whatever. If they have a slight shake to their hand, whatever, it is, it's reflected in that. And that's what makes the that helps to enhance that beauty. And, you know, you said something earlier and I just want to share. There's a, a woman named Barbara Nicolosi. She's uh, I guess the best term is a film consultant. She works in the film world. She works with a lot of different groups trying to help tell better stories. Because, I mean, ultimately, again, one of the things art does is it tells stories. And I, I listened to her speak once, uh, and she said, you know, beautiful art, in this case talking about film, but I think this is this is emblematic even of the work you do, never has to have the words the moral of the story is. She said, as a matter of fact, and she was saying in dialogue, if dialogue ever reflects anything close to that, she said, throw the script away, do not make it because it's terribly written because if the art is done well, you never have to say yeah. it. The, the art will give you, you'll, it, it will evoke that response out of you as you dwell in that artwork, as you, whether it's film or in this case, sculpting or, or again, painting, yeah. oh. drawings, you get lost in that and, and it pulls that out of you where you're like, you, again, you look at that scene, the full tilt run versus the quiet. It evokes that out of you if it's done well. And that's a hallmark of that beauty that is true artwork. Yeah. Yeah. I, thought, I love that you, you get it. It's like I met the ground. Um, ground was a big deal in World War One because uh, it was all mud. Yeah, D- uh, yeah, yeah. The trenches, the trenches were uh, filled with water and rats and stunk and and decaying bodies were in in no man's land and so the whole thing the ground changes in the sculpture it's like uh the battle scene is the craziest ground possible and it 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 cost a war after that calms down and then you get this more solid ground the beginning and the end uh and the the bayonets their bayonets in the battle scene those are super sharp Uh, a lot of the the mouths are open in very animated uh, feelings of uh, like charging like animals. Uh, and then you have the, a dead soldier even or dying soldier held by two other soldiers. And I went to real faces. I went and got veterans. I got Rangers. I got Navy SEALs. I got Marines um, that had seen combat. Uh, what, what, a few, I'm sure that all of them had PTSD. One of my Marines that I hired had and he was he's willing that i can i can tell people he tried to commit suicide mm. and he he lifted himself up and something else lifted him up and brought him to the bathroom and he vomited the the 18 pills he had taken and from that day on he was like nobody's coming to save me i have to save myself and he and he he's an animal in terms of like taking care of himself he works out three hours a day he races cons- consistently he reads for, for you know voraciously um it, it's th- he takes care of himself mm. and these guys i i captured their expression and i put it on the relief and they are the legacy of those poor bastards that got sent overseas a hundred years ago it never most of the kids had not left the eastern seashore mm-hmm. we were an agrarian nation and then you send them overseas and this they, they never left their their little towns most of them and they're faced with the most horrific things that you can possibly imagine 22 million people die it mm-hmm. changes the, the the course of this whole world not just the united states and, and so this memorial is to honor those people and it's to honor the people that show up today without a leg, with with uh, something that happened to their psyche, to uh, their inside, and it's to to make them feel like they belong. I'm really honored to 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 make this sculpture and and and, and give it back to these people because I don't think the military is 
really paid attention to the way that it should be. They're taught how to enter into battle, mm-hmm. but they're not taught how to re-enter into the civilian life. And, and matter of fact, in, in World War One and World War Two, I mean, at least with the, the more modern wars, uh, while it wasn't addressed immediately, it's it's become something they've addressed. But you know, they used to call it being shell shocked, right? The PTSD yeah. didn't even exist. Yeah. And, and I had a neighbor, uh, grew up in Washington D.C., Mr. Deshant, and and. You know, he was never right after he got back from World War II. I mean, by the time I was born, he was a, quite an old man, but still alive. But, you know, when we'd be in the alleys, my brothers and I playing in the alley, he'd, he'd open his window, and, and we didn't know, you know, kids. He'd start yelling, get out of the alley. It's not safe to be in the alley. And it was, you know, he was struggling with a, an altered sense of reality. And I remember at the time, I like, what, you know, saying to my parents, what's wrong with this guy? And they, you know, just, just kind of the hush tones, oh, he's, he's, he's shell-shocked. Just, you know, just be respectful and, you know, kind of ignore it. You don't have to worry. You're not in trouble or anything. But, and that was all they had. You know what I mean? They, did, they, didn't, they didn't even go into the psychological sciences of it. And I, and I was going to say, using, you mentioned that Marine. And again, there's so many. I do a lot of work with a group called the Desert Veterans where we raise money to take care of our veterans because I agree to this day they are not cared for at the level they should be and they deserve to be. But I have to imagine for at least some of those soldiers that you hired to, to be in this, you know, for the sculpting, that there had to be a certain catharsis. They weren't in World War One, but those horrors yeah. are similar, you know, and, and to be able to take part in something that's bringing honor and awareness, I would think that that had some healing aspect to them. Yeah, to very much. Um uh, you know, all of them, they all were like so touched. They brought their dads. One guy brought his dad who, who was dying of cancer uh, to see the sculpture. And the dad started crying because it's like and the wife was there too. Because they, when their kid and, and husband went out, you know, on a mission, got deployed, they're the ones sitting waiting for that phone call. Uh, I had a, a early moment on with the um, project because I, I'm telling you, I was not ready for this project. Uh, I have this friend, James, who is a builder, a contractor in New York City. Who, he does very, very well, um, and he's from the U.K., and he, he asked me if he could be one of the models, and I was like, James, come on. You, you, you don't want to do this. You got, you're too busy, and, and your business is huge. He goes, no, no, I really want to be in this. He pushed me. I said, okay, great. So you, you just he kept showing up. One day... I asked him, hey, James, why do you want to be doing this? And he said, look, just I'll tell you after we finish the session. Uh, and so everybody leaves, and James is there. And he goes, okay, Saban, this is kind of a serious story. Um, my great-grandfather and my great-uncle were uh, soldiers in World War One, And my great-grandfather never made it back. And my great-uncle did come back. And... He proceeded to shoot with his service revolver, his wife and his daughter, and then himself. And I grew up in that home. And that was the moment for me that I realized that this was a a war of human beings. And that is who I was supposed to sculpt in honor. And it didn't matter ultimately that, you know, what the, it wasn't about the buttons and the, the cartridge belts and the boots. You had to get it right for sure, but it was about the human beings, that that's who you had to honor, the women and the children and these men that had given so much of themselves and inextricably changed forever. Like you just told me in that story, that guy's never, never had a life again. It was a damage, a damage to humanity. On, on, on a micro and a macro level that people don't get these days. We've gotten way too soft. Mm, we don't understand what war does. We, and we're about to sleepwalk into World War III. How the hell can you do that? I'm so anti-war. You have no idea. I grew up in the Vietnam era. It, war sickens me because it, nobody wins. Nobody freaking wins. Just people get rich selling weapons. And then you've got all these like agendas that the government puts out that they're not even truthful. They're just PR so that, that they can dupe most of the public into, into following their, you know, doomed sinking ship as it kills more people. It's just, it's ridiculous. So that's why I made this memorial. I made a war memorial because I ultimately want people to 
to realize that, you know, this is not what it's about. It's about healing our humanity. About I was just going to ask about that. You said you were hired to make a, a war memorial, but in the paper, you know, in the press release and so forth, you said it was a healing memorial. Explain yeah, that if you would, kind of like on how you see that as, as how it helps to bring that healing. Because it, you said it already. It's a catharsis for these guys that came to work in my studio. Those guys, when they left my studio, especially Ricky, who was full-time for two and a half years, he is the whole man, polar than he ever was before mm. when he came in. It, it, it's like he got put back together in a way because he got honored. He got respected. His story got told. It got held high and said, these guys are heroes. They are, they are people that have sacrificed of themselves. And so when this memorial gets put into place, it's the only one that I know of historically, globally, that tells the soldier's story from beginning to end when he leaves home and when he comes home, back home. And, and this is a hero's journey. Like the, uh, Joseph Campbell spoke about the hero's journey. It's a, it, it's a cycle where you, you leave home, you leave your family, your community, you enter into, Joseph Campbell called it an adventure. It's, and here it's war. That's the adventure. It's not a pleasant adventure. And right. you are, then that, that person is transformed. So at that transformed mark, the dad comes out directly walking at you, the, the viewer, and he's completely confused. And he's like a, a Frankenstein monster. His face is contorted, and I used a ranger. I said, you're shell-shocked. What happens to your face? His face got contorted because he called upon those moments in his life where he had been breaking down a door to gain entry in Iraq, and then he gets stabbed, and he pulls the gun out and, and shoots somebody, or he, pull, or he pulled a, a blade out of his back that he'd just been stabbed and kills the, 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 his enemy. That's what these guys live, and they can they can go back there, and and that's what I saw in their faces. So, I did the research so that when these veterans come to my memorial, they're going to get a sense of like, God, this guy gets it. That's what that's why it's healing because I, I get it. I it fully agree though. And again, it's a beautiful, beautiful sculpture, a soldier's journey. We're talking with Sabin Howard, uh, who's known as the greatest living sculptor in America's Michelangelo. And that when you see his work, it's it's very self-evident why he's been given those monikers. It is a 60-foot-long, 10-foot-high, five scenes with 38 larger-than-life human figures for the World War One Memorial. Now, one of the things. Uh, I had an uncle who was uh, in World War II. He was on a, a plane that was shot down. He was hidden behind enemy lines for nine months. They thought he was gone, but they were, he was able to... It, it, he's, he was a very faithful man. Uh, he was raised in the Catholic faith, and he was shot down on one feast of the Blessed Mother and found nine months later on another feast. So he forever honored that for the rest of his life. Uh, wow. Now, much like... Uh, saving Private Ryan, uh, you know, I mean, he was he had this amazing adventure, as you would use that term. Uh, this this woman we knew her as Trudy took him in, hid him in her rafters. They, you know, the Nazis were coming through with the dogs, so they knew somebody had gotten out of the plane. She had, by the way, amazing trick. You talk about old fashioned common sense. Obviously, she made him get out of his clothes, put on new clothes, but so that the dogs couldn't find his scent. Whenever she would cook something in the house or do anything that had a scent, she'd make him stand right next to whatever it was so that his, his pores would absorb that scent. And that's how the dogs never found him. They'd come in, but they were sniffing what was left behind. So they, they didn't think, you know, to, in that way. She saved his life, got him out nine months later. And when that movie came out, Saving Private Ryan, which, again, there's a certain artwork to that film because it was so radically accurate to what these soldiers went through. He never talked much about it. We weren't, again, weren't allowed to ask. That was something about that, that generation. We knew about it, but, you know, you weren't allowed to really dig in. But at this point in his later years when that movie came out and he went and saw it, the quote that, that was shared with the rest of the family because his wife had gone with him, my aunt, was the only thing missing was the smell. 
that it had been so accurate to what he had lived and what he knows so many others had lived that that was all that was that wasn't there. You mentioned, you know, the rank smell in the in the in the foxholes and those kind of things. And and honestly, when I looked at the first, uh, there's one of the photos is the entirety of it. You know, there's some close-ups. Honestly, the first thought I had was my uncle's quote, which is the only thing missing is the smell and I don't mean it in a negative way but just it's so accurate there's so much in this the action in, yep. in, in there that that's that's literally you you you've accounted for so many amazing details yep. to tell that story I did a, I mean, it was a hell of a ride it, it was I won this thing 360 global teams so we win this thing in January of 2016 and then I got this is Centennial Commission Okay, so I'm dealing now with bureaucrats and lawyers and, and D.C. people, and they're like, well, we want – I had one guy in the Edwin Fountain. At least he gave me the, uh, the direction. He said, I want something like the Schrady piece in front of the Capitol, the Grant Memorial. And I was like, okay, that helps a lot. I, I got to make something visceral and super dynamic. That's the cavalry pulling that artillery ult, mm-hmm. uh, wagon in the uh, Civil War. It's a fantastic piece. That, that sculptor made that piece in 20 years, uh, stressed out of his gourd, and dies two weeks before it's unveiled from the stress. Could don't repeat that. Before. Please don't repeat that part. Yeah, I'm not dying. <laughs> All right, good, good. <laughs> I'm staying. I'm staying here because I gotta. I gotta finish this task here. So, I, I get. I get in my studio, and everybody's telling me what to do. And they're telling me, you need biplanes, you need horses, you need machine guns, you need barbed wire, you need more of the trenches. And and I'm like, oh, my God, my head's spinning. It's like, and I go to the bathroom one day in my studio. I got this big poster of the Last Judgment, Michelangelo's Last Judgment, right there in front of me. And I'm looking at it, and I hear this voice in my head. It's like, Fai quello che sai, which in Italian means do that which you know. And I, I swear to God, it was like, it was audible. It was like Michelangelo spoke to me. I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard this. And I saw the logic of it. It's like humanity all tied up in pretzels, advancing and receding figures, all wrapped around each other, all with the same common destiny, you know, our death that we are mortal human beings. They, they, you meet your maker. And I took that. That moment was my light bulb aha moment where I went back and I started posing the models in a way that they were wrapped around each other where all these figures were interconnected except for the shell shock guy who was completely alone and looking out at you. And, and so that's the distinguishing factor here. That is the change, the, the transformation that came globally, that we became alone. And, and, but everything else, all these figures are, you know, after the battle, they're being, wounded guys being carried by two other soldiers. Uh, uh, they're all interconnected and wrapped around each other to this, you know, nurses are powerful nurses carrying a gassed soldier, uh, his hand wrapped around his skull. Mm-hmm like agonizing pain of blindness. These are like, these are the things that, that make people like excited about art again. And that's why I'm so like happy to share on podcasts like this one. I really want the public to get involved and come on September 13th to Washington and, and see that this world is made up of human beings, not governments. And that human beings are what this country was built on, on the concept of we the people. It was, it's the people that are make America amazing. That's yes. where in, in else could you get a project like this in this world where you could be so creative. Well, and you know, to, to a point you're making, it's something we talk about on my show all the time. You know, everyone always says, well, what's the difference, democracy, republic? You know, uh, you know whether you have a king or queen, you know whatever it might be. And I always remind people, the most important differentiation as a republic is that we, yeah. the people, are the sovereigns yeah. of the nation. We don't have a yeah. king. None of us are kings, but we are the sovereigns. You look at any any governmental system throughout history. There's somebody 
that's ultimately the the top authority. And what people have forgotten, I think it goes with this loss of of beauty. And, you know, with that has been, again, because where the culture goes is where the rest of us go. You know, politics is downstream from our culture. If we weaken our culture, we weaken everything. Uh, so we have forgotten that we are the ultimate bosses as the sovereigns. But that doesn't, again, to what you said earlier, that, you know, it, it, about freedom, right? Doing what you ought, not just do anything. As a sovereign, it doesn't mean we just get to give orders and you know, boss people around, but that it's, in, it's incumbent upon us to do the work, that, that, that if we want this country to be what it should be, to be that shining city on the hill, as it's often been referred to, that requires our engagement. And, I, and, and again, this official unveiling September 13th in Washington, D.C. at Pershing Park is a wonderful opportunity to do that. I mean, something I mentioned free, probably two, three, four times a day on the live broadcast is that as humans, if we want to, to have, you know, my, again, something my dad used to ha- say, you know, got to have your head screwed on right. You know, that was that was one of the, the wit and wisdom of, of a World War II generation uh, with my mother and father. And if you want your head to be screwed on correctly, you have to orient yourself towards the true, the good, and the beautiful. And what I love about this and being a part of this, for those that want to come out and be a part of the unveiling, is... This encompasses all three. There's the true, yeah. there's the good, and yep. there's the beautiful in what you're doing. And it's 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 seldom in this kind of frenetic, crazy modern world that is is kind of the upside down man. The things that matter the most are the things that people seemingly care about the least. This is an opportunity to kind of do that, albeit a small correction, but to right the ship to come out and experience that in person. Uh, when the, it's yeah. unveiled, and, and obviously, uh, you know, you'll be present. I don't know if uh, the if uh, if General Flynn and Kelsey Kramer will be there as well. I know they're they're mentioned as being spokesmen for it, but it's a great opportunity. Uh, and as I look at all this, I'm not shocked to read that the USA Today, the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Epic Times, American Artist, Fine Arts Connoisseur, American Arts Collector, and the New Criterion, just to mention a few, are the places that your work has been favorably reviewed. Again, seeing your work, I, I mean, I can't imagine how anybody would give it anything but a positive review. And, and this is something people can experience in person. Well, it, does, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen without people like doing the work. I, I swear to God, it's like I'm so frustrated by the mainstream media and the whole narrative being, you know, cordoned off to art like this, uh, because I sent out 750 personal emails through uh, Rebecca, who works for us. Mm-hmm. And you know how many responses she got from mainstream media? Two. Two. And so I'm going all back channels. I'm, going, I'm, I'm raising the troops. That's two more than I thought, by the way, just for the record. I thought it was going to be zero. So so that it's two, maybe yeah. that's a positive sign. Two. Two. And wait, so this is a national memorial. And this is like nothing like anything has ever been done in over two, three hundred years. And it's, it, it, it is it has such depth to it because of, uh, you know, how many people came into my studio. And I, I had to organize this huge project. My wife came on board. She's a novelist. She came on board and ran the back office. Uh, she's doing a documentary called Heroic to show the the inner guts of how this project got put together. Like, we had a camera rolling all day long. I couldn't get away from mm. the mic. Everything is captured. She put She's putting together a documentary. She's put together a bunch of mini shorts. It's like, it's like we have to do, we have to mobilize, guys. We got to get out there and we got to change the way the world is because you have to be the change. Nobody's going to come mm-hmm. and save you, like Ricky says. You got to do it. And, and it starts right now, today. And I think we got a hell of a, a, a thing happening at the end of this year. It's like, I don't, I don't want to see it, but it's we, upheaval is coming. It, and it's going to be a problem in this country. The whole world sees it. And we're being taken off from task. It's time to get on back on task and make this country amazing again. Uh, you and know I'm what? Here to do it in the arts. I, I I agree a thousand percent, Saban. It's been I, I really I, I hate to I hate to wrap it up. We have to, I mean, it has been an amazing conversation. I really I, I, I'm so glad we were connected. And you mentioned you know Rebecca is an old friend of mine. She reached out to me and I responded. And you know and, and the fact is to me that again I you know my full con, full confession. At one time I worked in the main many 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 years ago. I started out in the mainstream media, mostly doing music radio. 
deal, but I did a few other things in the, in the front end. And I ended up moving into the world of, of uh, conservative talk radio, and, and I did some television work as well for the same things you're describing, which was I kept being, I wasn't trying to do anything necessarily political. I was just trying to tell the truth. And every time I did, I got smacked down. I was being told, you can't say that, you can't think that. You, and, and this is in the 80s and early 90s. So, I mean, just to show you, you know, how far back it goes. And, you know, I was getting frustrated. I'm like, well, you know, this isn't you know, the, the old saying, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. My plans as a young man that started in radio at 13 is I was going to move to California. I was going to meet the Beach Boys, and somehow, by being a radio DJ, I was going to become a Beach Boy. That was about as... I hadn't really planned it out, because I'm not a very good singer, and I, I play the drums only moderately okay, uh, but somehow I figured that was going to work out. Well, obviously, uh, although I did work with the Beach Boys, that wasn't the plan, uh, and I, I, I think I made God double over in laughter a few times uh, along the way, but you know, I found my way to what I do, because... You know, for me, I want to be able to sleep at night. And so it means honoring that truth, knowing, you know, again, I was blessed in that I had parents that literally were born in the Depression, grew up in World War II. So my un my uncles, several of my uncles were in World War II. I had a few in Korea. I witnessed some of these things firsthand. It was part of our our narrative, if you will. And all I ever knew was that, you know, you you be honest and you do the right thing. Uh, and I and only as I got older, did I realized it was becoming so in short supply. So like you, I've tried to take the skills and, and, and gifts that I've been given and use those to perpetuate that truth. So when I see work like yours, it's an honor to be able to, to tell people about it, to share it, invite them out. Thank Certainly you. they can go to your website, SabinHoward.com. I mean, I just find it amazing. And when that documentary is done or when the shorts are done, please let us know. We'll, I'm sure we'll have you back on before then to promote the, uh, the unveiling in September, but I'd love to share those as well because just looking at the artwork having an idea of you know from this conversation i imagine it, it's got to be some amazing behind the scenes stuff and, and i'd love to see it yeah it's, it's uh, very very human very human uh, it's, i think that that's the part that uh, people forget it's like you know you get you get you do big things but it's like the amount of roadblocks i had to to deal with to get to that other side it's like that's what made me who I am, and I, I welcome that because it's like that's part of the process of getting to the other side. And I, I have a, a keen understanding of these guys that went off the battle because I, in some ways there's a parallel thing that happened. I went off the battle. I went off to New Zealand. I disappeared. I left D.C. so I could make the, the model for this thing. I was gone for nine months, and I came back with the model, and then we get rejected by the Commission of Fine Arts and I'm sitting there for a year and a half, and something happened. I don't know what it was. We go in, and all of a sudden, we love this piece. I didn't change anything. And, 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 don't you love the, the whims of, of how things can happen in D.C.? One day it's the, the yeah. worst thing, then two, two minutes later, it's the greatest thing. Yeah, and I, I, I'm not getting into that story, but it's just like, you know, I just want to say that if you don't risk it, and you don't risk it all, nothing is going to happen. You have to go for broke. And everybody's telling me, no, but these things take 15 years. Frank Geary and Eisenhower Memorial took the guy 15 years to get through the Commission of Fine Arts. And I'm like, nope, it's a done deal. We're getting through. I kept my eyes on the prize. You know, I, I came from, like, not a great place, and I kept just pushing and pushing and pushing. And I met my wife, Tracy, 24 years ago, and... I was in New York, and it's like everybody's saying nobody wants to buy figurative male nudes, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to show you now. And she used to say to me, "You, you know what Tiger Woods does when he comes up to putt that ball, to hit that ball? He he says that ball's going in a hole." And no matter how much it hurt to hear that, it was like no excuses, just do it. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the way I attack this thing. It's like I met such incompetence along the way. And excuses, and and I just fought to maintain the vision and the composition, and thank God we did because then everybody was like, oh well, this is so freaking amazing, yeah. But you were all the all these people wanted to like put their two cents in and and create this camel with 85 humps. It's like no way, that's not happening. We're staying on track here, and uh, like everybody thought I was a by the end of the day. But there's a reason I was that person because I knew it had to be the right way. 
after doing 12,000 pictures, 18 iterations, and nine months of creating this composition. I knew it was correct, and I had faith in something larger than myself. I was going to drive that ball home. Well, that, there's there's a description what, about you that I think, uh, to me, encapsulates everything you were just saying, and, and thank God you stood your ground because of the beauty you created, but it says, Sabin's art is, abo- is about elevation, the elevation of the human spirit, and about human dignity, and I think that caught my, yeah. my attention because the absence of respect for human dignity in our culture has caused such horrible upheaval in the last 50, 60 years at so many different levels, so many different places that, again, anywhere that we make an effort to restore that respect for human dignity is is so important. I, I have to ask one question before we wrap up. I meant to ask in the beginning, but you, frankly, you're so you're so interesting to listen to. I, I forgot. To, but I'm curious. It says you, you were born in New York, but then grew up partially in Italy. I'm just curious, how did you go from New York to Italy to then art school in Philly and then back to New York? Did you have a military? I know you said your parents were PhDs, but was there military involved or how did you get get around in that way? Uh, Okay, so my dad's from Philly and my mom is from Torino and my mom still holds a green card. She refused to become an American citizen. And so I was born in New York, 1963. At three months old, uh, we took an ocean liner back to oh Italy. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and then um, I was raised in Italy till I was three years old. So um, I speak Italian as fluently as English, um, and I, I, I am bicultural. Um, and I think that that gave me a great power because I, uh, being growing, growing up with, you know, my grandparents, my grandfather would bring me all around the porticos of, of the northern cities of Italy, which are like beautiful Baroque places with piazzas and um, ornate marble porticos. And just uh, your, even your apartment was like well-designed, well-constructed. It was, you know, could be like boiling outside, but it was still cool inside. The temperature was good. Um, it was built for human beings. And so then I, we, I come back to New York City and I grew up there during the scholastic year, my parents both being teachers, back to Italy in the summer. Hmm. And, you know, this is a real screwball thing for someone's head as a kid. I'm totally Italian internally. My hard drive is driven by passion. I'm fiery. I'm emotional. But I'm very good at designing things, which I believe is the Italian. It's, we have a understanding because of our heritage that our culture, our culture of creating beauty in the arts is phenomenal. I mean, you go to Venice, go to Rome. It's like everybody in the planet knows that, you know, Italy is a foremost designer. Look at even sure. popular culture. You look at the cars of Italy. You look at, you know, Maserati, Ducati motorcycles. There's something just incredibly um, beautiful because it shows how things are put together there's a structure that is part of how we see the world and so that part remained with me and then my parents were both um and not that i'm proud of it my dad was like you know very lefty i'm not a lefty in in the same way i'm about elevation of human spirit he was involved in the poor people's campaign back in the 60s and uh, anti-Vietnam war marches. So I got thrown into that mix. You know, I had to tag along as a little kid. And I'm seeing all this, like, anti-establishment stuff and um, think outside the box and don't trust the government. And uh, that's what I got raised in. So it's like create your own reality type thing. And so you go between these two places, and it's like I'm, I'm so lucky that I got Italy and I got the the, the think-outside-the-box mentality of the 60s of New York City. It's very radical thinking back then. Well, and, and, what's and, kind and, of funny, if I, if I may, is just you mentioned the whole, you know, question authority. And yeah, the, the, but the crazy thing is a lot of the, and I don't mean your family, obviously, but a lot of the, you know, political uh, radicals of the time, question authority, don't trust the government. The, nowadays, they're the ones that are telling you, <laughs> trust the government and don't question authority. Oh, it's kind God. of ironic. It is. Because it's so weird to watch 
I don't speak much with my parents, but my parents are like those people. They, they questioned authority in the 60s, and now they succumb to authority. And they're like, that's, that's right. I was like, I'm sorry, I can't even have a conversation about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a human being, and I'm going to create my own reality, which is limitless. There, there is no limit here, limitless. There, that's what I am talking about with my art. That's what I saw in Italy. That's what I'm putting back on the planet. And so the, I got this, and then I end up in Philadelphia College of Art, which is this like figurative hotbed in the 80s. He got this German guy who came out of the Bauhaus school, and which is, that's like modern art, but then he quits that, and he decides he's going to go look at like the uh, proportional books and anatomy books of Leonardo da Vinci and Polaiolo, who is a Florentine um, constru- construction and uh, it becomes like this divine path. It's incredible. I can't believe it. It's like it got laid out for me. Well, it sounds like it almost applies to you what I said. You know, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. And, you know, sometimes it's fun just to let, sit back and, and see where it takes you. I should mention yeah. for, for everyone listening, uh, at your website, sabinhoward.com, S-A-B-I-N, howard.com. They can sign up for updates there, email updates. That way they can, you know, as we get closer to September 13th, which is going to be the big unveiling on General Pershing's birthday in Pershing Park, uh, just steps away from the White House. Uh, I'm sure that'll be part of the updates that you send out so that as time gets closer, they can learn more about how they can be a part of this historic event that will unveil your beautiful uh, centerpiece, A Soldier's Journey. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me on. Uh, Absolutely. Really we, I'm, I'm sure we'll have you back before the big day comes, but Sabin, thank you for all that you're doing with your art. It really is just stunning. Uh, I hope, you know, I, 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 Rebecca mentioned the event in D.C. Uh, with all going on in the world. Tra- I don't get to travel as much as I'd like other than when I'm, you know, on, on duty, as it were, uh, but I'm hoping to maybe get out there. I'd love to be there for the unveiling because I think it is it is an important moment where, again, culture, you know, again, culture defines so much, and we need to remember that. It's not politics that defines us. It's our culture, and we need to heal our culture. Art is one of the great ways we can do that. So hopefully people will heed that call and come out and be there in September when they unveil your great work. Thank you so much. I appreciate all everything. Absolutely. Thank okay. you so much, Stephen. God bless. We appreciate it. Well, there you have it. Yet another, I tell you, we introduce you to those that make the difference. And as I said, yeah, we all have our obligations as citizens. We have to vote. We have to be informed before we vote. Don't just vote. Know who you're voting for. But it's true. It all Politics is downstream from the culture. I've said it for a long time. Where the family goes, so goes our country. We need to heal our culture. We need to heal our families. Art is a balm that does that. And I got to tell you, Sabin Howard's art is it really is phenomenal. Check it out. SabinHoward.com, S-A-B-I-N, Howard.com. And look, you want to go see the nation's capital? You should. It's a great place to visit. September 13th would be a great time to be there. Between now and then, ladies and gentlemen, remember, live life boldly. See you next time. Yeah.